0: What I've found over over time is the more success you have, the more enemies you have, or the more people trying to bring it down.
1: Welcome to the Signature Life Podcast, where we sit down with signature real estate agents with a shared conviction that moving towards things we want in life starts with the choices we make today. We are creating an ever-evolving culture for those who wish to participate
0: in a larger mission to help others achieve their full potential and a Signature Life. Welcome to the Signature Life podcast. This is episode two. I'm here today with my buddy, George Mata, serial entrepreneur and local lender here in the Las Vegas market. How are you doing, George?
1: Doing very good, Brandon. How are you? Good.
0: Good. Hey, I appreciate you taking your time to be on our podcast. Um, you know, you were a tough guest to get. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, you guys paid the appearance fees, so I'm here. The appearance fees, yeah? yeah.
0: And your agent's tough. She's a tough negotiator. Yeah, she's tough. Yeah. So hey, you know, I'd I'd like to start out a little bit uh, about you and kind of where you came from. Were you born in Vegas? Born and raised. Born and raised. Born and raised. Never never had any desire to move out of Vegas or
1: A little bit. Um I, I have a lot of family, a lot of friends out here, a lot of roots out here. So I thought about it, but almost felt like I, I had to do it out here first before I could go anywhere else.
0: Yeah. And you're still working on that.
1: Exactly. Right. It never ends.
0: So you went to high school here and everything?
1: Went to high school, went to Centennial High School in the Northwest. Yeah. Had a, had a real good childhood out here.
0: Yeah. So I know your mom's from Logandale? Yep. Logandale, yeah. so Moapa area. Yep. And she's one of our agents too, Elvira. Yep. So, um, but yeah, so uh, you never lived out there? I mean, that's no. a small town, right? We,
1: yeah, super small. It's actually a farming community. Um, if you guys have never been there, I highly recommend you guys go out there and take a little trip. It's really fun. It's right by Valley of Fire. Um, I sound like I'm probably the mayor or something out there, yeah. but it's, it's really cool. Uh, yeah, growing up out there, we would go out there a bunch.
0: I know. I've been out there once because the county fair is out there. Yep. So it's a good time. It's like an hour drive. Yep. Right? So. Yep. Well, and, and I appreciate it. you brought in some gifts well, not really gifts, some, some show and tell. Yeah. And uh, you're trying to get me liquored up. I appreciate yeah. that.
1: You know, Brandon, you said you wanted to talk. So I said, if you want to talk, <laughs> we got to drink,
0: you know. Uh, so. We'll give this a shot, but <laughs> I think you have a chaser and I don't.
1: 100% I have a chaser. Smooth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's rich. That's good stuff. What are we drinking?
1: We're drinking single barrel Jack Daniels. It's uh, the, the main reason why I like this one is because it's got the Golden Knights. Yeah. Emblem on the bottle, and it's good smooth whiskey, but uh, mainly it's it's for the Golden Knights.
0: So you you're a big fan, obviously. You're wearing the shirt. You, big fan. Uh, brought House. in the glasses.
1: Yeah, I you know growing up out here we had the Las Vegas Thunder. I don't know if you remember them
0: before uh, the Wranglers, huh?
1: Before the Wranglers, and uh, one of my friends growing up, his parents had um, season tickets, and so I remember getting a taste of the Thunder. And uh, before they started every game, they would play ACDC thunder
0: thunderstruck Uh,
1: yeah and so like i was like hockey's cool and uh wranglers came i didn't i wasn't really into it too much for whatever reason and uh soon as we got a team it was announced all of a sudden i just started reading up on hockey and and became like this huge diehard hockey fan
0: that's interesting so um i'm from salt lake Mm -hmm. and they uh they had the the golden eagles is what it was and now they're the grizzlies uh kind of a similar type thing and and I remember being able to go to the games for like ten bucks and sit behind the goalie. You would pick up the tickets at the grocery store, and nice. it was good. But there was never any real fans in there; like it was never sold out, except for one night of the year, which was Bikini Night. Oh. So they filled they filled the arena then. And I, I went to some of the Wrangler games here, but it's a whole different environment with the NHL. One hundred percent. And so I was never really a hockey fan until I went to my first first game, and now it's oh. second year in a row of season tickets, and it's just it's nuts. Yeah. It's awesome. But they did a lot for this community.
1: They did. And, you know, the one thing that used to always just irritate me was people would always say, you know, Las Vegas would never support a pro team. You know, we'll never support a pro team. It's not the type of fan base to support a pro team. And look what we did. Like, not only did we support them, but now the Raiders are coming. Now MLB teams are talking. NBA teams are coming. Everybody wants to jump on board on the Vegas train. But, you know, Bill Foley and the Golden Knights will forever hold that spot in my heart because they were the first ones to take a chance.
0: And they were Vegas born. They were Vegas born. Yeah. So like yep. the Raiders are relocating in, but Vegas yeah. was from the ground up here.
1: Right, 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 right. Yeah.
0: It was an interesting time, too, when they came. Um, it was right after the October 1 shooting. And I think they really helped this community heal. I agree. And I I moved here in um, January of 2008, so I've been here a little bit of time, but it always felt like a real transient town yeah. until the nights. You know, you could go anywhere in this town and not run into people you know, but now you go to that arena and you watch the games and you, you know the people there. 100%. And, and then when they, you know, when that, that team just stepped up to pull this community together. So for me, you know, as you say, you'll always have them in your heart. I'll have them in the, my heart for that same, same reason plus what they've done for this town.
1: I, I used to always hear, I remember one of my buddies, he's from Seattle, Washington, and he used to always say, like, when you have a local team and everybody's talking about the same team and giving each other high fives, he's like, you, you just don't get it. And I really didn't. I, I didn't really get what he was talking about. And now, you know, if I'm out and about rocking some Golden Knights gear and someone else is rocking Golden Knights gear, all of a sudden we're waving at You're each bros. other. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're saying what's up. And, and it's, it's cool. I, I never really would have, got a you know an idea of what that was like until we got a team
0: yeah see i get road rage real bad and then when someone cuts me off and then about to yell at them and then i notice they have a golden Knights plate and how then oh, can, how cool. can you
1: get road rage when you have a tesla and it's driving for you
0: <laughs> because people still cut you off okay. it's just ridiculous All right. All right. um so um yeah so speaking about sports that's yeah. cool you know um you've done mortgages how long have you been doing mortgages
1: so i actually got in the mortgage business when i was 21 i'm 34 now so, I've collectively been doing it for eleven years. um I've been a licensed loan officer for eight years and then the other the other time, I was actually doing loan modifications. Oh, so wow. when the economy crashed, um, uh, one of my buddies and an attorney that we knew they were doing loan modifications and they needed some help and I didn't really know what I was doing. They didn't really know what they were doing. So, all of us together kind of put together some ideas and we started, you know, closing out some loan modif- modifications and helping some people. And between my front end part of my career, the mid, you know, doing loan modifications and now where I'm at now, I really feel like I have a real good grasp on the whole business, you know, front end to back end. And I think it it helps with my clients, you know, when they ask me, you know, all these you know, technical little questions, I can go in detail with them. And the times that I don't know, I have, you know, my boss and other people around me that have got 20 plus years experience where we can, you know, we can find out that answer. So
0: yeah, your whole crew is a good crew. I know yeah. you guys are our in-house lenders here in, in Las Vegas. We yeah. love working with you. And, and, uh, you office a lot out of our Southwest office where I'm at most of the time. Yep. Um, and you bring a lot to the table, George, I want Thank you me. to know, and, uh, you're a leader and a lot of people look up to you. And you. uh when you, when you speak in our sales meetings, you, uh, you're a great public speaker. Have you had any training or anything on public speaking?
1: Uh, Not really. It's, it's funny that you say that because we've, we've had this conversation before, but I, I hate public speaking. I mean, I, even this right now is making me super uncomfortable for whatever reason. I just don't really like talking about myself or having all the attention.
0: Let's just take another drink.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. But, um, I, you know, my my very first mentor in this business, he told me, he said, you know, if you don't want to like, if, if you don't want to, you know, learn how to speak in front of people and learn how to, you know, you know, command a, a presentation, that's fine. You can just be broke and go work at Walmart and, you know, just just go do that. And he hit me down to my core and I was like, well, yeah, OK, well, I guess I can I can get over this and. Um, just through repetition. I, I, I'm a firm believer of that 10,000 hour rule. Once you do something 10,000 times, 10,000 hours, you truly become an expert and a professional in it. And I just kept putting myself in those, you know, situations where I had to speak in front of people, where I had to, you know, command, you know, speak to an audience. And you just start learning like, Oof, they don't like it when I look down in a way. And, you know, right. so it, you just, instead of sucking all the time, you just kind of get better. But
0: you have no choice right
1: no choice no choice but i think i think my whole adult life and whole career has really kind of molded me and prepared me to be the person that i am today you know a lot of the failures that i've had in life i've picked up some really big lessons from that and i still apply them and and, and, and use them in my day-to-day life now yeah so, i'm i try to learn from it and then go
0: apply. there's two ways to learn from your mistakes or someone else's right um so, when you talk about mistakes and what you've learned, I mean what's been your biggest lesson in life? What could you share with somebody you know coming up young you're still young um, through those the twenties and early thirties
1: so in my in my mid twenties um, you know once we started doing the loan modification thing, that really it really took off, and we didn't really know what we had until we we were kind of into it and The one thing that I learned through that is that you know, pride and ego can tear down an empire, you know, and I saw how certain people would let certain things, you know, you know, really get them riled up and it would start deteriorating the business relationship. And before you know it, that person was no longer a part of the business relationship. And, and now where there was new people coming in. And so as like being 23, 24, 25 years old, you know, while all that's going on, I knew that, I got lucky with my seat at the table and I needed to shut up and be humble and listen and, and learn. And that's what I did. It was the best thing I could have ever done. You know, being around an attorney all day for four years, being around, you know, high-level uh, business people that are putting together business plans, you know, planning it out and then creating it, I, I, I got to see how all that worked. And so the biggest thing that I would tell a young person trying to be an entrepreneur, trying to, you know, make it in this in whatever career they want to get to is you know get comfortable with being a student you know get comfortable with being the lowest guy on the on the totem pole get comfortable with being told what to do be comfortable with learning from everyone and when you get in that mindset when you get in that you know place in life you'll notice that more people want to help you more people want to give you an opportunity and i think when i was in my early 20s that part really went over my head. You know, once I got a little bit of taste of success and that I could, you know, kind of do some things, I just really let it go to my head. And lo and behold, you know, you let that pride build you up and eventually you crash
0: and tear you down
1: and it tears you down. And, And then, you know, when that happens, you know, for me, I started looking back at, you know, Oh man maybe I, I I blew this opportunity Maybe I'm never going to get another opportunity like this again and it's real easy to fall into a little rut into that negative you know mindset um, and the only thing you can do is just start all over and build back up and that's where that humility you know really factors in because it's tough to then go go get a job and be the lowest guy on the totem pole when you've done all these other things and no one cares
0: no one cares what you what no have one, you done lately right right and right. so when you were doing that, I, I mean, obviously you learn a lot by, by uh, coming and working with successful people. Uh, that was a tough business. I know it took a long, yeah. lot of effort yeah. to get uh, approvals from banks and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, was the money good?
1: Yeah, that was good. You know, we had we were splitting it up through a bunch of us at the time. But the, the, the partnership was, I mean, it was a volatile time. You mm-hmm. know, clients were you know, at the point of possibly losing their house, so they're stressed out. You know, whenever I'm making contact with them, they're stressed out, you know. Um, you know the attorney's stressed out because there's a lot of liability for him and his firm, right? Sure. You know, me and the processing team, you know, we're stressed out because we feel like we should be getting paid more for all the work we're doing, right? And then there's a sales team that, you know, they, they feel that, you know, they sh- we should be doing things faster, wh- whatever the case may be. And so, <clears throat> you know, you just learn, like, you really learn to kind of take everything in, you know, not make a quick decision, you know, see all sides and, you know, take it from there.
0: So did you guys see that through the end of the market changing or did it yeah. collapse before that?
1: Yeah, so it was it was crazy times. You know, they the Mortgage Lending Division, the MLD, um, and all other federal agencies that were governing um, – the mortgage loan, loan modification companies, they started changing the rules. Right. And they said, look, from now on, you actually, we don't want these loan modification companies. You have to do everything through the law firm. Well, at that point, we decided, you know, the attorney and I decided that, you know, we work very well together. You know, we should maybe try to keep doing this. And so we split part from everyone and just started doing just really referrals. You know, before they were doing a lot of TV advertising, mm-hmm. you know, and that, brought in a bunch of business, you know, a, a huge amount of business. And so we said, you know what, let's just do it, just referral, word of mouth, and we'll just take it from there. And, and we did, and we did that for, I think, you know, another little while. I don't want to say the exact time, but there we did that for another portion of time. And things, it became to be a dirty business, you know what I mean? And we noticed that the economy was starting to come back up. This was like around 2011, 2012, and um, we liked working together, me and the attorney. And so we said, you know what? Um, let's try to do something else. And, and he was a corporate attorney. Shout out to Silver State Legal, Chris Groble, He's a very good man. Um, he said, look, I, I've got a shelf. He had a, a bookshelf full of, of corporate licenses and, and LLCs already ready to go. He said, just pick one. Just pick one that you think we, could, we can do something at. And so I pick auto, um, auto license. So at the time I had um, a Range Rover, I had a few little toys, you know, I was being really stupid with my money. And um, I said, well, let's, let's, let's buy what we like. Let's buy some Land Rover Range Rovers with 50, 60,000 miles. Let's buy some BMWs, some Mercedes, and let's just, you know, sell them, you know? And, and so he invested some money. I put together a business plan and uh, for 30 days, nothing happened.
0: So like a car lot.
1: So it was a car lot out of his law firm. So we had, we bought four cars. It was Uh like two Range Rovers and two BMWs. We had our buddy fix them up. I mean, they were nice and good shape. And then we parked them under four um, carports, you know, carport spaces. And I just put some ads online and um, literally for four weeks, no one called. And so, like, every week I'm going out there, like, starting up the cars, wiping them down. Like, today's going to be the day someone's going to call, you know. And Uh by week three, the attorney started, you know, freaking out. And he's like, dude, what are we doing? Like, this is X amount of money spent out here. Like, this is, like, what are we doing? And I remember going home that night and just, like, overanalyzing everything. And being like, what am I doing? Am I even, what, I'm to I don't even have the qualifications to be running a business. I don't even know what am I doing. I don't, and I just started second guessing everything. And I remember I didn't get much sleep that night. And by the time, right before I went to bed, I just wrote, started writing things down. I said, you know what? I have a good business plan. You know what? These are really nice cars. You know what? This is a town where people like these kind of cars. Someone's going to do this. And I don't know if it was the next day or a few days after that. All of a sudden, the phone started ringing. All of a sudden, we started selling cars. All of a sudden, we started making a bunch of money. And so we did that for another year and a half almost. And um, after the first year in business, we said, man, this was, this was fun. Like, this was fun, and we're making good money. Like, this is maybe this is what we'll do. So we started looking at getting an actual car lot. Wow. So when that started, we started attracting, you know, all sorts of riffraff. And so all of a sudden there's people that want to rent us out their car lot. There's other car dealers that want to sublease a space. I mean, you, it's like all of a sudden, you know, in like a week or two, we were just, we had all these options. And so we're, we're trying to be strategic about things and pick out the best option. And someone contacts us and gives us an offer that's too good to refuse. And so we go meet with this person and gut feeling was, this is wrong. This is not, this is not what we should be doing. And, uh, we ended up partnering up with them and it ended up being a very major, major mistake. And the attorney ended up, you know, going huge in debt. You know, they ended up muscling me out of the business and we had a falling out myself, the attorney, you know, we, and his new business partner, we all, you know, had a falling out. And when, when I left, I told him, I told, you know, told the attorney, I said, look, this is what's going on. This is what he's doing. This is what I think he's trying to do. You know, stay on your toes, you know? And, um, he was like, look, I'm an attorney. I know what I'm doing. Like, you know, I'm a shark. I'm I'm the one that bites. And that hurt, you know, because I, I, I missed out on that, on that business that I helped start, you know, create. Um, and we were making really good money, you know? And so I thought I lost it. I, I blew it, you know? And, and I was, I had a lot of pride and ego at that time too, you know? So it's not like I was an angel. Um, but, um, I really for like I think 10 months just stayed at home and just was like heartbroken you know and just just didn't work just lived off savings partied a bunch you know just just did stuff that I shouldn't have been doing and I remember it was like one day it was like around this time around November December time I just woke up and was like they're moving on with their life right I'm the only one losing here like what am I doing And I was just over it at that point, you know, and so and that that really molded the person that I am today, you know, because I could have let that define me. I could have said, you know what, I I once had some cool stuff and I once made some good money and I once did some some stuff, but I've been working to get back to that to get back to ever since then. And it's it's you know, I've learned that there's some evil people out there. You know, and there's some people that fall off course, you know, and there's some people that are, w- are your best friend one day and can turn on you the next. But it, it, that's very rare. You know, that well, very rarely happens. What
0: I've found over, over time is the more success you have, the more enemies you have or the more people mm-hmm. trying to bring you down. Um, and I don't know how that happens or why that happens, but I think people like to stay at a status quo. And it makes them uncomfortable when you start to excel. And so people will, will pull you back, whether they're doing it intentional or not, and and come after you, really. Yeah. Um, I've learned that lesson a couple times in my life. Uh, it's lonely on top. But um, with going through that experience, what would you say, you know, because we, w- we both went through immersion, mm-hmm. um, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But one of the things we talk about in immersion is the gift. I mean, and when you go through a, an experience like that, and it, it hurts, and you're going through that, and you're mourning that loss and all that um we don't understand what the gift is in that until sometimes when we're yeah. out of that and we can look back. Yeah. I mean if you look back at that what would be the gift or the one thing you could take about out about that cuz you say that shaped you as a human. What is it in particular that
1: I mean there's so much. Mm-hmm. There really was. It was it was one of the best lessons failures that I've had in my life, you know, because I you know, I learned a lot through that situation. So it's hard to kind of just button it down to one thing. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I took away from that, and it's, it's hard because I'm, there's so much stuff that I'm thinking about, but I think the best thing, the, one of the most things that I'm most proud of is that in every situation that I've been in life where I could help someone, I've helped someone when I was doing loan modifications and we couldn't, you know, finalize loan modification, they referred out to realtors that are my friends and family. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So they were still making money, you know, during a slow time. When, when we had Nevada auto group and we were pumping away, I hired all my friends and and family and gave them jobs, you know, in, in situations. It wasn't the most, but it was something, you know? And so I feel like, although there was times that I had a lot of pride and a lot of ego, I still was trying to help people. And I think that that's the reason why I keep getting put in these opportunities where I can succeed and I have an opportunity to, to excel is because at the end of the day, I'm doing right by my neighbor. I'm doing right to help my brother and sister, whoever that may, that person may be. And I think that that's something that a lot of people can get lost in. You right. know? They, they can When you're making money and you're doing what you got to do and you're just like, I'm just worrying about my little... My little circle and sorry, man, I can't help you because I don't got time or energy or whatever, you know, and I've always tried to take some some sort of time and put some sort of effort to helping someone because I like the way it makes me feel, mm-hmm. you know, and but it's it's tough. There's so much I pulled from that. I mean, so much. And it it, it there's even some times, some days where I'll have like a really bad day and something will happen. And it's like I'll almost relive a certain portion of that. And I'll be like, well, actually, it's not as bad compared to this. Or actually, I've seen this before. This is probably what's going to happen, you know. So it's a, it's a tough and good question.
0: That's good, though. So um, thanks for sharing that. You yeah. know, that's uh, something I had never known about you. Yeah. And uh, so how many brothers and sisters do you have?
1: So I'm the oldest. I have a little brother and a little sister. Yeah, they're okay. five years and seven years younger.
0: So that's, you're, you're one of the leaders in your family too.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you put a lot of pressure on yourself, um, to, to do that. Yeah. And that's, I'm the oldest in my family as well. So I I understand, um, there's a lot more pressure put on us too. Yeah. Um, but, and then your, your mom, she's in real estate. Um, has she been in real estate ever since you were little or?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So like, I think she started doing real estate when I was like maybe eight or 10, right around there. And my mom did real estate part time and worked at the front desk at the Luxor for like four or five years, mm-hmm. and she was doing pretty well in uh, in real estate before she finally went full Made time. Made the move. And so I, when I first got into real estate, and when things got slow, I always did the same thing. Like I would I would work at night and and work all day, and like I was like, well, my mom did it, like I'm I can do it too, you know. So when it comes to, like, real estate, I if it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't have got the opportunity because from 19 till 21, when I first got my first job, I was trying to get into the mortgage business, and I got, like, denied by everyone under yeah. the sun. Like, tried to get an assistant job, processor job, like, you name it, and they were just like, yeah, I'm sorry, like, we don't have time to teach right now, and you're just too young, and, you know, we need you to have a college degree, or they're just everything, every you know, thing under the sun, and so when I finally got my opportunity, I was like, time, now's the time to go.
0: Right, it and was, they weren't bringing many people in, because it was so good, and everyone was making a ton of money, right, right, so no they one didn't one have time, to train. right, so, so, and then, how was it growing up, I mean, in a, in a real estate family, um, yeah. because there's peaks and valleys, yeah, you know, yeah, as a child, do you feel that stress, um, 100%, that So
1: my, my my dad was always trying to start businesses, my mom was obviously in real estate, so, you
0: know, money
1: comes and goes and stuff like that. And I I learned really young that my parents could work really hard and make more money and do really well and we our lives could change in a year compared to other some of my other friends who, you know, their 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 life kind of stayed the same. And so I, I appreciated that my parents, you know, could could go and create. I knew at a young age that the difference of, you know, if you put in more effort and you take more risk, there's more reward. And so I, oh, like growing up, I would always say, like in school, like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I'd always say, like, you know, s- some sort of professional athlete or a yeah. businessman. I, I like, was a baseball player. I would always say that, like, even yeah. as like in in middle or in uh, in elementary school, like, professional baseball player or a businessman. Like, I just I was like, yeah, I I, I like that. I like, you know, I don't know. I just in the allure of that. As a little kid, you see the boss, and you're like, man, that's. That's kind of cool. I want to do that too.
0: Yeah. So your upbringing helped create the entrepreneurship but that you have inside. And,
1: and the same way it taught me to be very good with money and tight with money. You know, al- although my early twenties, I was really stupid with money. From 25 and on, I've been really smart and really, really good with money. You know, and so I, I, I learned that. Look, you know, there's a possibility that you're going to have a slow month next month. You know, you mm-hmm. might not make any money next month. You know, you need to live within this budget and keep money stashed to the side. Right. So that's
0: huge. So how did you get your, your break into the mortgage industry?
1: My mom, my mom, I I owe it all to my mom. So my mom worked at Prudential Americana and it was on Lake Mead in Buffalo. They had a countrywide full spectrum lending office right across the hall. And it was a call center. And, um, the guy was trying to get my mom's business. Mm -hmm. And she said, look, I have a son. He's 21. He's been trying to get in the mortgage business. If you hire him, I'll, I'll give you my business. And so the guy meets with me, and thank God he got in young. Someone gave him an opportunity. He was like in his mid-20s, branch manager, killing it, making a bunch of money. And he had an off. They were all from Boston. And so they had a whole office full of Boston guys, and they were all young, and I just fit right in. And they took me right in their wing, taught me a lot. Um, like I have so much Thank to them his name was lee i know his last name i'm not gonna drop it but lee lee m dude you are my boy for life yeah
0: yeah he subscribes to signature I life know, podcast he, is, he's, right. he was our number two subscriber i knew it I knew it. he knew you were coming on yeah he's yeah <laughs> no that's cool it, everybody needs an opportunity and a door to open and fortunately for us at signature you step through that door yeah. and 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 learn the business you um so you worked there um That company's no longer around, obviously. So where'd you go after that?
1: So Bank of So that was a crazy time working for Countrywide back then because we were kind of, you know, enemy number one at the time, you know, and the media just kind of set their sights on us for whatever reason. And um, Bank of America bought us, and so all of a sudden one day, just like some guys in like black suits, kind of show up and they go, "Hey, um, yeah, you know, we bought your company." We, here's a severance package. If you want to keep your job, here's the honor interviews for tomorrow. Like, you know, do what you got to do. And I remember our whole office was freaking out, and, like, everybody's panicking. And I'm, like, 22 at the time now. And I'm, like, oh, my gosh. Like, what am I going to do? You know, I'm, like, thinking, like, you know, everyone's telling me, like, you're young. Don't worry. You can still figure it out. And, and I'm, like, crap. So I took the little severance, and I left. And I remember I went and worked as a electric uh, electrician's apprentice, I think nine months and I got I got kind of sad and I was like man like I guess this is just what I'm gonna be like I'm just gonna go work construction I'm just gonna do this and like this is what I'm what what my life's gonna be like I tried to do that white collar thing and it didn't work and you know that's it and so uh my superintendent and foreman they knew that I did loans and so at lunch breaks and breaks they would always we'd talk loans and so then they started asking me to check their math and then they started asking me to do all these other things. And I was like, you know what? I'm smart. I, I think I might have something, you know, I might, I might be a little bit smart. And so uh, that's when the, oper- the phone rang and, and they called and said, hey, we're, we're doing these loan mod things. Do you want to come help? So I was on lunch break, you know, at a job site and was like, done, I'll be there at four, you know? And uh, I think the next day, I, like I brought some like a dress shirt and all that stuff with me. And I, I remember pulling up to the, to the law firm and was just like, I got to make this work. So when they asked me, they were like, "Do you know how to do these and all that stuff?" I'm like, "Yep, absolutely. Yep, know how to do it. Yep, can can we have it done for you. No problem."
0: So you you ended up at Bank of America. Or, no, or so
1: no, so we got the severance and I I left. I took my severance and I went and worked construction.
0: In and then you got a job where next?
1: So at Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. Yeah, so that's
0: at, that's when I met you first. Yes, you back. were still at Wells Fargo yep. right before you came over to yep. to your current company.
1: Yep, because I, I was doing business with a few of your agents, my mom and a few of her, of, of her friends, and so I, I saw Signature. I, you guys had, the, I think, the Summerlin location at that time, mm-hmm. um, and it, there was a buzz even back then about you guys, and so I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, this is awesome, and you know, I learned a lot at Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo was the right job at the right time for me because I needed some sort of structure and stability you know, from from being in where you could own your own business and have so much flexibility, I, ha- I just developed all these bad habits, you know, and I would go to bed late and I would wake up late and all this stuff. And, you know, going over to Wells Fargo, I, I had to be at a branch at 9 a.m. I had to be very there. structured, It was very, very, very much structured. So it got me back in line again, you know, and mm-hmm. I still still have some friends, some friendships that I that I from people that I met there. You know, it was it was a great time. It was very tough to close loans. You know, but it was a, a very good time.
0: So then the transition out of being in that structured thing over to your current company now, yeah. I mean. Um, Night and USB. day. Night and day. Night right? and day. And you still, you feel like you're a, a pretty structured person. Any yeah. Any issues with that? The or?
1: structure never changed. That was because I learned that I can be way more productive that way. Mm-hmm. So I've that's, I think, one of the best things that I, one of my best attributes is that when I learn something, I apply it. You know, and so once I learned that, wow, you know, having this structured schedule and working out of a calendar and being very organized actually works. And it's, I I can close more deals. It's kind of crazy, huh? Business is easier. I'm like, I'm going (laughs) to keep it up, you know? Right. So I I never stopped with that. I mean, like, I'm here, you know, 9 a.m., 10 a.m. at the latest, but, you know, I start work 7 a.m., you know, from home, you know, and I I start sending out emails and start getting the day planned. And uh, the processors and assistants come in at 8 a.m. And so I like to kinda have some sort of, you know, plan set out, you know, for our files for that day. Yeah. So
0: Well, you know, you've you've come right into our culture. You've been become a big part of it. Um, just one of the family. And that's what I like about um all you guys that, that work um in the mortgage department, the fact that you've just integrated into the office. It's not like, hey, there's the mortgage people. It's yeah. you're just part of signature life. Yeah. And uh, you know, we had that event and um where Satema came out the first yeah. time in May. Yeah. And he stood up there and and talked and that's when I decided I was gonna go to immersion.
1: How was that was and you made a, a, a bet with
0: him? Like a bold head. yeah, a bold thing. So I was I was pretty bad shape. I was pushing yeah. two seventy. Um and I stood up there I'd already started to lose weight and I stood up in front of all the agents and in front of Satema and basically said, Hey, you know, I'm gonna weigh in below two hundred pounds on my birthday May twelfth, two thousand twenty, or I'll write you a check for ten thousand right. dollars, and that was that was set up the day before because uh, Satima was in the Green Valley office and we were talking and stuff, and he says, "You really want to hit your goal? Right? Put it, put your money where your mouth is." And I'm like, hey, "Yeah, yeah, all right," yeah. and but it just came to me. So, yeah. but it that was a point where you know I'd kind of hit. Call it uh, the day of disgust, that where you go, you know, enough's enough. I'm going yeah. to make a change. Yeah. So he came at a at a perfect time for me, and I committed to go at, at that time. And, and me and uh, the whole Signature International team has gone through it, the yeah. women and the men. Um, when was it? Was it when he came back out to the sales meeting or back in May that you decided that's something you wanted to do?
1: So that – both times. So in May – Um, when he came and spoke and when you made that declaration and when Vandana, you know, said her part and, um, and everyone was sharing all this intimate stuff. And later on we had that round table with him.
0: Yeah, that's right. After lunch.
1: Right. After lunch. And I remember, um, first of all, his story's amazing. And it just, it, I felt moved by his story and I could tell he was being honest and genuine. So that, you know, I was, wow, I was impressed. Um, But when we did that roundtable and he gave me some advice on my relationship and he said, you know, I I think one of your big issues is you're living in expectations. You expect people to be a certain way. And I'm like, yeah, you know, of course. And he's like, well, that's the problem. You know, you need to make agreements. You need to set some, you know, you need to set some ground rules and make agreements. And so I went home that night, had a a great conversation with my girlfriend and it made immediate changes in our in our um, In our relationship and I realized that where I thought maybe she was some of the issues on some of the problems (laughs) I was the problems a lot of times. It's us, right? Right. And so I was like, wow this guy, you know, so That happened out month goes by and I'm like, man i maybe maybe this guy knows what he's talking about but I'm I'm always kind of pride of myself and being mentally strong, you know And being someone that can pick myself up and power through these, you know, through things And so I felt like I, I feel like I'm pretty good, you know, I feel like I'm I'm good when he came back, um, well, you you went to Immersion. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike went to emer- Immersion. A, 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 your signature international went to Immersion. Um, Katie Ramsey went Katie to
0: Immersion. Katie Ramsey, Michelle Kubiak, Monica Miller. A bunch of people yeah. had
1: gone, and my boss, Shelly, was, was planning on going. And so I would noticed you guys all came back a little different. And everyone was a little different in a little different way. You know, and so I, I noticed that, and I was like, okay, like may, maybe maybe this is worth worth the money. And uh, when you guys brought him back out, there was a lot going on in my life that was silly. It was silly nonsense problems. <clears throat> and so when Coach Satema came back and he was talking in the room, I really felt like what he was talking about was applying directly to directly my to life, you, uh, directly to my life. And so I kind of had that moment of man, if I just try this, I bet it's going to fix this problem. So now that's two problems that he's fixed in my life just by me listening to what he's saying. I still didn't want to (laughs) go. They said, give us your business card, you know, that whole thing. And I just, I was like, you know, it's a lot of money. Again, I feel like I'm good in life. I feel like I'm happy. And so I went back to the office and Shelly's like, I noticed you didn't put your business card in there for them to call. Like, what's your deal? Like, you know, like, I think this is something you'd really benefit from. And uh, so you know we had some words, and and so I said you know you're right. Let me just hear it out. And so I went and put in my my card, and I tried to like they said there was gonna be a six o'clock phone call. Uh, Coach Sean said hey man I'm running behind. Let me bump it to six thirty. Six thirty comes. He's like hey you know what super backed up. Let me get it to six fifty. And so they they said you know go in a private place. So I'm in my vehicle. You know it's like Tuesday or Wednesday at like six o'clock in the afternoon. I'm in my car. You know what I mean like. Being waiting for this call yeah you yeah. know and so I'm like <laughs> these guys are so unprofessional like what the heck is going on like this is stupid I'm gonna hang up like all these things you know all these excuses on why I didn't want to be on this phone call and so coach Sean calls and uh, you know he starts asking me all these questions and he could tell I was a little irritated and he's like you know if you know are you gonna give me a, an answer today and I'm like no I'm like that's not how I roll I think about things and you know all this stuff and He's like, well, you know, like, uh, it's, you know, that is it because your lack of commitment, all these things. And I said, dude, it's Wednesday at seven o'clock. I'm sitting in my car. There's a lot of other things I'd rather be doing right now than this. And he went into his thing and started sharing his story. And immediately I just melted down. And immediately I was just like, what am I, what am I doing? Like what, this isn't, I don't, I've got time to spend, to spare right now. Like all of a sudden I just sat back into the moment and just you know took it in, took it in, and then I, I made my decision at the end of that call.
0: That's awesome. And
1: I didn't feel rushed or pressured or anything. You know, it's it's sometimes like some of the th- we we make things out so much harder than they really are sometimes.
0: Mo- most everything, right? And you know, it's it's it was pretty powerful. I mean, if, if you guys don't know who Satema is, uh, pro football player, won a Super Bowl uh, championship with the Patriots. Um, Played for BYU on the defensive line. He's right. he and he's a presence, you know. But he's a right. gentle giant, right. and he has his gift to be able to get people to open up, yeah. Um, like quick, yeah. Like I, that was the thing that floored me in May was how fast the agents were just opening yeah. up, and how fast I even opened up, and that then was I'm, amazing. I'm looking around, going, "Man, we're really broken," <laughs> but but you realize that everybody has issues that they're right. dealing with, and right. when you get that through your head you know, makes it a little easier and you stop thinking, you get out of your head. Right. And, uh, I remember signing up and going through the virtual immersion, Mm -hmm. right. With the, through the Voxer group, what'd you think of that process?
1: At first I was like, what are we doing? You know, because I'm a, I'm a very private person. I don't really share a lot of things with a lot of people, which was, that was the old me. Right. Right. Um, but, um, So when everyone's on here and they're giving their take, first of all, I love the principles and everything. I I thought that was amazing. So
0: virtual immersion, you you listen to the principles and then you get back in the Vox group and share what you learned.
1: The part that I was having the issue with was sharing what I learned. Right. Because it it was so personal to me, you know, and then I felt like because these other gentlemen were in a different age group or a different profession or in a different state that they couldn't relate to me, you know, I thought my problems were so unique. Right, You know, and so um, when I finally just got over it, I was blown away at how much I got from hearing other people's takes and how much other people got from hearing my take. Right. And all of a sudden I wanted to hear what everyone was saying, you know, and I wanted to, I wanted to be, you know, as open as I could be, you know, with sharing this with my brothers, you know, and that was something that... You know, virtual immersion, I noticed a change. My girlfriend noticed a change. You know, my, my coworkers and everyone started to notice a change. So so
0: Tyson noticed a change too. Tyson's my son, and he went through immersion with you as well. Yeah. But he was telling me that you've, you have you really started to open up. He didn't tell me anything you said. I mean, yeah. that's all confidential. But he, he did say that you started to really open up through that, yeah. that process.
1: And you know what? I learned that, you know, I have something to give. You know, I have, I have some, some experiences and I have something to give with people the same way they have something to give to me, you know? And so rather than me keeping all this to myself and rather than me only sharing it with a few people, those that want to know, I should, I should share and and maybe they can pick something from it or at the very least give me a new perspective on, on what just happened. You know, that was something that I really, that really took away from. So
0: I, when I was going through the virtual immersion, it was, um, I had a real hard time with it because right off the bat, people were like, Hey brothers. And I was like, uh. yeah. And then same. it was too kumbaya right at first. Yep. And, and it was because of my own insecurities. And then I remember listening to it and then I would write down everything I was going to say in the Voxer group. And then I would, then I'd like record it and listen to it. And then I'm like, no, no. And then finally I just got out of my own head and I just would just say it, right. you know, and it was, it was uh powerful when you kind of l- submit to the process. Right. And then, um, it helped a lot too because going in, you you had uh, you had I- an idea of who the people were, who the players were that were in the room. Um, a lot of them are a lot different than I put them out to be on the 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 Voxer group, but man, they truly are my brothers. And I know you probably feel that way about the your group you went yeah. through when you go through something like that. So it was hard for me to adopt that at first, but man, I I'm all in now.
1: I and you know. Even though you guys all went through immersion and you guys, you know, went through the whole experience, you guys, I know for me, like, I still, you guys didn't tell me what was going to happen. You know, I, it was still new to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the few times that anyone would try to explain it to me, it did, I just didn't get it. You can't explain. And I was just like, all right, like, I'm just going to trust in the process. Like, I'm just, I already paid and committed to it. Let's just go, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, going through the whole virtual immersion thing was like, that was, that was something else.
0: Right. And I went through, I knew five people in the group. And so that was a different dynamic too. Like I work with them. Yeah. And I was worried about going in and, and being with the people that I know. But it, it was such a group experience, but such an individual experience. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody asks you to really tell them about it, it's it's really hard to put it in words because it's different for everybody. Yeah. But it was one of the most powerful things I've ever done in my life, and it was such a great gift to give myself. And I tell you, every time I hear somebody I know that's going, I get so excited for them. And when you guys left and you guys were out there doing it, I almost felt like I was left out. Like I wanted to be there. You know what I mean? Wow. And and I'll tell you, when I was going through the process, I'm like, I would never do this again. Yeah. It wasn't until about an hour on the drive home where I was like, yeah. I'd do that again. Yeah.
1: It's man, you know what? I just had a conversation. So I, a lot of people have been asking, you know, since I got back, you know, what it was like and stuff like that. And I haven't, I haven't really explained it well yet. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, I, there's, I'm slowly getting better and better kind of explaining how it went, but I noticed that it's not, it's not the same, you know, there's only just words to them and stuff like that. But, um, anyone that really wants to change and be a better version of themselves, they owe it to themselves to do this. Yep. Put the money aside, put everything else aside. You know, what I went to immersion for, I got that plus five other things that, you know, everyone notices the, you know, the guys told me earlier, they said, yeah, you seem happier.
0: You walk different. Yeah. And I mean, you just come back different.
1: And I'm like, I, I don't necessarily feel happier, but I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, it's clear. I, I'm clear. I'm, there's clarity. You know, I'm, I'm, I know where I'm supposed to be. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And that sometimes, and you know, I'm sure you can probably attest to this, that's, that's almost more isolating than how it was before I left, mm-hmm. you know, because now I, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know better, you know, and so there's only a handful of people that know that information. Right. So those really there's only a handful of people that can kind of hold me accountable, you know. And one thing going through immersion that I really learned through virtual immersion is, is that, um, you know, I always took pride in being a lone wolf. I, I always took pride in me against the world. I don't need anyone. I can get through all of this. And I, I realized that the reason why I liked to be alone was because no one was there to hold me accountable when I quit or when I was doing something wrong or when I wasn't doing what I said I was supposed to be doing. And so that was another way for me to be in a comfort zone.
0: Yeah. Know? No, I, you and I are a lot alike in those types of things, you know, um, it's, it's also, too, when people ask you about your business, it's like, oh, you kind of just get a little defensive or put it off. And it's because you don't want to defend yourself or you don't want to commit to something or or that kind of thing. Right. But to me, going through that process, uh, it, it was interesting because I went with my business partners because I told them we all needed to go because they were all broken. Right. Not me. They're right. broken. <laughs> I mean, I didn't tell them they were broken, but that was my thought right. process. And, and I'll tell you, uh, I got – I didn't know what I was going to get out of it, but I got – that relationships are actually really important to me even though I've always said that they weren't and for me to come back and be able to mm-hmm. work on that sure. and you talk about the four quadrants and stuff mm-hmm. and balancing your life that was huge for me yeah. um when when was there a point in immersion when you went holy crap what the hell did I just do yeah
1: i i think um you know one of their first principles is is you know the truth shall set you free, say free yeah. the truth, right So I felt like I'm a truthful guy. I felt like I I always spoke the truth. But I think that a lot of us are delusional. Right? We think of ourselves as a certain way, or maybe this person that we used to be. And we're honest everywhere in our life, but for some reason we're delusional in how we how we view ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that was me. You know, I felt that because, you know, I have a beautiful girlfriend I'm athletic I'm, I do some things that I'm I, I get healthy blood tests and I go to the doctor all the time no medications no medical conditions that I was healthy and that I was I was fine you know mm-hmm. I could handle this no problem you know and going out there day one, I realized that I was physically weaker than a lot of the guys there I, f- I realized that I was one of the weakest links physically and for someone that, is used to performing at a high level and being, you know, one of the top guys, if you will, that hurt, that hurt big time. But that was the reality.
0: The Mm -hmm.
1: reality was I don't work out. I ate very poorly. I exercised very little. And that's that, that was, that was what the scale doesn't lie, right? That's what it was.
0: Results matter. And you get what you put in, right?
1: So day one, when I'm huffing and puffing and, you know, hanging back and not being in the fast group, it was reality check. That was, that was reality check for me.
0: So I, um, I was one of the weaker ones of mine too because I started dropping weight. I went on a calorie reduction diet and I pushed it all the way up to the day before mm-hmm. I was eating you know, 800 to 1,000 calories mm-hmm. and strength wasn't there. Yeah. And w- what it taught me going through that process was um, that I do a lot of things that I'm unprepared for and I just have just enough skill. It's like you have just enough skill, you know your business, that you can compensate for that. Right. But imagine if you go into something prepared for what you, the results and how much more you could kill it. You know, um, it, was, it was tough for me physically, but I remember when I went, oh, crap, my oh, crap moment was you're supposed to be there at 4 o'clock the first ni- night, right? Mm-hmm. The door swings open. Coach Nate comes out and goes, all you mother effers in a plank now. And I went, oh, shit. <laughs> like, That's hey, what this is going to be like. They don't care that
1: you're Brandon Roberts? <laughs> they don't
0: care, no. In fact, they didn't call me Brandon Roberts. They gave me a new nickname called High Rise. <laughs> high Rise. I remember running laps, and he's like, come on, High Rise. How was the fancy cars. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, it was, it was a, quite a moment for me. Um, what was your favorite part of immersion? I mean, when did it? When did it like break through for you? Because I know when mine happened. Like, so
1: day, so day one, right? Have that realization, but I'm not quitting. I'm hanging in there. I'm, I'm being a leader. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. Day two, um, I had. I was struggling that day. That day, I just they were in my head. You know, they were just in my head, and I actually tried to quit on day two, and. Um, you know, we're, I'm getting punished for something that someone else did. I'm giving my all, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to, but now I'm being punished for someone else over and over and over and over and over. And I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get blamed for someone else. I'm done. And, um, coach Nate, you know, verbally murdered me, you know, <laughs> right after that. I'm serious. I mean, he not said, Nate, he said some <laughs> things that hurt me down to my core. You know, he, he said some things that hurt me down to my core and I was like, all right, all right, never mind. I'm not going to quit. Like, you know, I'm back. And I I got back in line and your son Tyson actually leaned over and he was on the edge of the line and I was on the other side. And he said, he he got my attention. We made eye contact and he, he said some things that we had discussed earlier. And right then I was like, okay, no, no. What am I doing? Like that false alarm. That was a joke guys, you know? And Coach Satema came and got in my face, you know, and, and Coach Nate had bad caught me and Coach Satema good cop me. And he, he gave me some very crucial, very critical advice that I'll never forget. And he perfectly explained why I was quitting. And to sum it up, he you know, he basically said, you know, when you get frustrated and he was talking to me directly, he's like, when you get frustrated, you quit. When you and your girlfriend start having issues, you quit, when you when give you, up when you exactly when you start having issues at work, you decide to go work with some someone else. you know you, he pointed out all these things, and I was I was disgusted in myself because I thought I, I was delusional. I wasn't a quitter. I always committed, I always f- closed everything. and that was an example of no, you will quit. And you know, when I was getting ready to quit, I was thinking about all the comfort things in my life, right. Hey, I, I make good money. Hey, I have a good job. I don't job. need this. Like, yeah, I don't need Coach Nate to be mother-effing me. Like, I, hey, I got this hotel room till Sunday. Girlfriend comes in on Friday. I can eat two days of fish tacos. Like, all, all these thoughts came into my head, and I had that moment of weakness. And when I realized how much I had disappointed everyone, um, I knew that I wasn't going to quit. And so day three was my favorite day because – Day two, I, you know, I'm, I don't run away, you know, from when I make a mistake, I own it, you know, so everyone knew that I tried to quit, you know, the guys in my group gave me shit for it that night, you know, and I, I went home and I told my girlfriend, we time and she was like, no, you, you didn't quit. Like you did. And I'm like, no, I, I tried to quit for That's sure. Pretty close, right? You know, I'm like, I, I, I really did try to quit. Like, you know, and she was disappointed and you know, the coaches were disappointed. The guys were disappointed and I, and I was just like, No. I, that was my, like, I was so disgusted in myself that I was like, I'm, I'm not going to quit. So I, you know, I hung up that night on day two. I got some sleep, woke up an hour earlier, you know, drank a bunch of fluids, stretched for like 45 minutes, listened to some, you know, some good music, you know, and got mentally prepared for it. And when day three started, that was my favorite day because when day three came, I noticed that some of the other guys were scared because they told us like, Hey, we're going to go on this long hike with this 50 pound sandbag. And it's not, it's going to be long and who knows when it's going to end. And when you think it's going to end, we just, we're half." The
0: there end. is no finish line.
1: Right. So I, I, you know, th- I had already knew that I wasn't going to quit no matter what. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to quit no matter what. So day three starts and we get going. And of course, you know, it splits up, right? There's a fast group and a slow group. And, all of a sudden, I break apart from the slow group and I'm, I'm, I'm by myself in the middle. So there's a fast group with the coach. There's a slow group with the coach. And then I'm just by myself, you know, on this trail. And um, I had to use everything that I had learned, you know, earlier in those few days, plus all my past life experiences to get me through that really long hike. Because halfway through, my body started to cramp out, cramp up. I started to, my legs started to feel like it started getting stiff. And I wanted to quit. And there was no one around, no one there to give me a pep talk like there was before on day two. Just
0: you in your head.
1: It was just me and that was it. And so I had a very detailed conversation with myself, you know, and I I just just started, didn't stop. I never stopped, never put the bag down. And my speed, my time, I actually sped up on the second half of the hike and got really close to the first group and just left the last group in the dust, and when we got done, um, everyone else was tired, and I was, I was keep going, you know, they told us to keep circling, and I, I was there, I was, I was running up the hill at certain points, and um, the reason why that's my favorite day is because uh, when we got done, I started puking, and I didn't stop puke, we got done around uh, lunchtime, around noon, I didn't stop puking until about midnight that night, and so the whole rest of the day I was puking. Um, I couldn't hold down any water, couldn't hold down any food, and I ended up actually having at around like eleven o'clock at night that night, little specks of blood started coming in my in my liquid puke, and so uh, I went to the hospital and um, you know got to the hospital and got three bags, three IV bags, and was back the next day. Um, to finish the ceremony and close everything out. And that was the reason why day three was my favorite part of the day is because the old me would have quit. The old me would have quit that day. Mm -hmm. But the new me knew that that wasn't an option. Quitting wasn't even an option. If I had to go to the hospital and get three IV bags once once I was done, that's what I was going to do, you know. And so that proved a lot to me, you know, because on day two when you want to quit and all of a sudden – you're hit with this reality check that you're really not fit and you're really not all these other things, and then the next day you can prove to yourself that you are.
0: Day two, you wanted to go hide, which is one of the things you don't hide. Right. And then uh, day three is you're all in, right. truly all in. 100%. Yeah, and when I heard the story, you know, and I didn't hear it in depth, but uh, I'm part of the Circle Champions with Satim and them, and, and they updated our group, and he said, man, we, we just had a killer day you know, circle champions, and these guys are just killing it. And He starts talking, one one guy is just, he went, it was the morning that you'd gone to the hospital. Yeah. He says, one guy went to the hospital. And and it was interesting because I, I was watching the photos on Facebook and stuff. I'm like, where's George? I don't see George. And um, I'm like, I hope he's still in it, you know, because yeah. I hadn't heard anything. And then I heard the next, next morning that you'd gone to the hospital. I'm like, holy crap. And he said, but this guy he gave everything he had. There was no quit in him. And I was just, it gave me chills. Give me chills now just to hear him talk about you and, yeah. uh, and what you did and what you overcame there. It was just, it was powerful. And I, I left you a message after that. I was just yeah. like so, my respect level. I always respected you, but went through the roof because I know what you went through and you pushed yourself harder than I pushed myself. Cause I didn't, I didn't obviously end up there yeah. different journeys. Right. Um, My favorite, or my breakthrough day was day two. Hmm. Um, Most most people broke through on day three. And I remember mine, it was, I go to the ocean, I don't get in the water. Not because I'm scared of sharks, because it's salty and it's dirty. I don't like the sand, I don't like any of that stuff. You know, I'd rather swim in a swimming pool. And that day you're in the ocean and you're burying yourself in sand and all that stuff went out the window. But it was a beautiful day. And I remember after we boarded the bus and we went to breakfast. And I don't know if you guys got to go to breakfast then, mm, but yeah. that was like the best it meal ever. breakfast. was a ever. great be- breakfast. Hanging, yeah. out with the, hanging out with your brothers, yep. eating after a hard day. and It was like, at that point, I was like, yeah. what else is there, you know? Yep. It's, it's okay. Yep. We're going to make it through this.
1: For sure. For sure. I mean, I, I went to that breakfast, you know, trying to quit, you know, and was happy that I was still there, you know? So that breakfast – Tasted great, but at the same time it was bitter too. You yeah. know, because I, I was so disappointed in myself, you know. But that's I think one of the best things that Coach Satema and Coach Nate, you know, kinda said to me is that, you know, as long as you're getting better and stronger every day, that's that's all that really matters, you know. And so, you know, getting the reality of being one of the weaker guys, you know, physically, I also noticed that I was one of the stronger guys mentally. And problem solving, making critical decisions and all these other things. So, so you can
0: think under pressure.
1: Right. And so I said, you know what? I can work on the physical part. It's real hard to work on the mental part. I got that.
0: So are you getting your sweat in every day?
1: Not yet. because um, per- oh, that's, rhabdo, right. that's I'm, right. I got to take two weeks off. So I'm a week off right now. But um, I'm eating healthier. So um, I'm going to be losing 30 pounds in the next three months. So I've already started the process on that. Um, and i I really... Through day three, I found the love to push myself again. To push myself, you know. Growing up I, in middle school, I wrestled a lot, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I sucked, but I was like tough, you know. And so I noticed that in sixth grade, I got beat by everyone. Seventh grade, I started beating, you know, half of the guys. And by eighth grade, I was smoking everybody, you know. And I, I remembered like, you know what, like. You're right. You're gonna it's gonna be a long, you know, haul, but as long as you're getting better slowly but surely, that's all that matters. It's all going to work its way out in the end.
0: Yeah. Would you do it again? <laughs>
1: yeah, 100%. You would. 100%. Yeah. yeah, you know what? There was there was a time when uh we when I'm in the hospital and Coach Nate, which those of you guys that don't know Coach Nate, Coach Nate is a former lieutenant in the army um, he, for his, for fun, he runs hundred mile races. So, you know, marathons are like nothing to him. And, uh, he's just, he's a very nice, sweet guy, but he's
0: sweet. I wouldn't use that word. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's a
1: nice guy, but he's man, he is like tough, you know, he is really, really tough. And he is, uh, by no means not a softy. And so, uh, when I'm in the hospital and I just woken up and they, you know, they're doing a bunch of blood work, he stops by you know, I think he was surprised that I think he was more upset that he didn't kill me, you know. So he was like, <laughs> you know, he's like, how did this guy not die? You know, so uh, I got to go in and check this out. <laughs> yeah. So he comes in, you know, and I see him and I'm really surprised to see him, you know, and, and he's like, hey, how are you? You know, and I'm like, I'm fine. I am got me on these fluids. You know, I should be back, you know, any minute now. And he's like, you know, like, hey, just hang out here, you know, and do, you know, whatever they want. I hear you got, you know, rabdo and that's pretty serious, you know, and you need to like you need to do what they say and he goes um you know do you do you regret it he's like do you regret anything you know and i was like no i'm like i, I know there's going to be a hospital bill here and i know that this wasn't exactly the plan immersion but.
0: got more expensive yeah i'm <laughs> like i'm
1: like but no i don't regret it like i proved to myself that i wasn't a quitter and i proved to myself that i i will do whatever it takes to to win and this is something that i knew but I, I, you know, I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure anymore. You know, that was I did that stuff a long time ago. I don't know if I can still do that now. And uh, I hope Coach Nate doesn't get mad that I say this, but you know, he he shed two little tears. You know, he shed two little quick little man tears, and he sucked them up real quick.
0: So it wasn't a full out cry, but he no, he just like he showed was, a little it emotion. It was
1: just like one. And, like, one, and, like, I mean, very small, you know. And then
0: he ran out of there, didn't he? Yeah, and he and just. And he went and did 100 miles. He just, <laughs> and he was, like,
1: he, he you know, he kind of sucked it up real quick, and he was, like, you know, we'll we'll see you when he, when I see you, and, you know, we'll get the whole ceremony thing worked out. Don't worry about it. Just stay here and, you know, just listen to the doctors. And he got up, and he left, and I was, like, I'm getting out of here. I'm, like, I don't care what's got to happen. Like, I, I got to get to this ceremony. Got to finish break. this I got to finish this out, you know. And so, the doctors didn't want to let me leave. You know, the doctors were not, you know, they wanted to keep me for like two to three days. And after six hours of sleep and three IV bags, I felt pretty good. And I said, hey, you know, I, f- I feel pretty good now. I, I want to leave. And, you know, and, and they were like, they gave me every reason not to leave. And then they just started saying, look, if you leave, because I said, look, I'm just going to walk out and leave, you know. And they're like, well, if you leave, we're going to we're going to reject your insurance and you're going to get hit with this whole medical bill. And so I'm like, you know, I'm obviously pissed off, but I've got to, you know, I've got to be diplomatic in this thing, get this thing figured out. So start talking to the doctors and thank God the doctor ran Spartan races and did rucksack challenges. So when I started telling him about all this stuff that I've been doing, he's like, don't take this the wrong way, man. But you did all that. Like, you know, you're not in the best of shape. And I'm like, yeah, I did. That's kind of why I'm here. Like, I got to finish this out. And he's like, "Okay, he's like we're going to figure out a plan. You know, and so we we figured out a plan, and uh he let me go, you know, but none of the coaches thought I was gonna come back, you know, they thought I was gonna be in there you know for for a few days, and I felt better, you know, I felt better, I could walk around, I could move around, I felt back to sixty percent, and I knew we weren't gonna be doing any physical exercises that day on on the last day, so I said, you know what i'm I'm gonna go i'm gonna I'm gonna go, and I don't regret it, at nice. All. You know, because seeing everybody's faces and seeing me come back, you know, it was, it was awesome. And then it, I just don't, I don't regret it.
0: Beautiful. At all. At all. Well, tell me about this football.
1: So this football. So I guess you guys didn't do this, right?
0: No. So this football, they give to, um,
1: they call it the game ball. So they give, they gave out two of these game balls, and so, um, this game ball. Is meant to represent, you know, some like the MVPs, some 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 people that showed, you know, good leadership, good bravery, all those things. Um, I was awarded one of the game balls. It was one of two. The other guy was a cool guy, Nicholas Stone, out of um, out of Salt Lake City, Utah. I know Nick. You know Nick. He's super. I
0: strong. don't know him personally, but I was at the event uh, in Salt Lake, and I I met him.
1: Really good guy. And so all the coaches and and all of the guys from the group, they all signed this football, which is which is awesome. This means a lot to me. Um, but when I look at this football, this, what this reminds me of is this reminds me of all the brothers that didn't let me quit. And so when I look at this football, I don't really think of it as what I did. I look at it as that's the guy that didn't let me quit. That's the guy that pushed me to, you know, no end. That's the guy that, you know, had my back and everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I look at this football, it's not to, you know, pat myself on the back. I look at this football and it means... There were some, some badass guys that were there with me that had my back, and, and I had to prove to them that I was, you know, who I said I was.
0: Advice to you, remember those guys and don't lose touch with them. They're always there to push you through. Yeah. And it's it's a neat thing, too. You're part of a an elite group now, men and women, um, that speak the same language, yeah. that live by the same principles. And there's great power in that. And there's, there's a bunch of them here at Signature. Yeah which is pretty awesome and, and so Tim is now uh, a major shareholder in Signature International and we've adopted his principles as a company yeah. and it's a major part of, of creating a signature life yeah so um, and,
1: and I, and I, and I want to thank you Brandon for that because I, I know that if you if, if you and, and Mike and everyone didn't bring him on board and, and give everyone the opportunity to start listening to him and if you guys didn't fully commit and go to immersion, I don't think I would have ever went. I don't think a lot of us would have ever went, you know. And there's um, there's been a bunch of opportunities for me to do things like this, right? In real estate, there's always some motivational speaker and there's always some guest speaker that we have talking. But I think finally for once, there was someone that talked about, you know, the four quadrants of life that I've never seen anyone do at once, you know. And that's I've always wanted to have, you know, a good, healthy, fit body, business – cranking out relationships at top tier and having some sort of good relationship with a higher power that if you're doing all four of those You're crushing it. And right. I I, did, I didn't know anyone in my life that was doing all of those things You know, maybe some were doing two or maybe three but not all four at once And so I I felt that it was worth me spending money, you know Good hard-earned money that I that I worked hard for to go and see how other people live their life And I, I don't recommend it and I, I highly recommend that anyone you know, that wants a little bit more out of life that they really go and explore this because, you know, I was, I, I don't want to say I'm anti-self-help, but I was always kind of like, you know what, I'm pretty good. I, I can figure things out on my own.
0: And, I can read the book myself. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and going and, and being around these these coaches and being around the people that have gone through it, um, you just realize that there's so much more to life and, and our work's just beginning, right? We have to now do the work to make all this stuff happen. But at least now we have some sort of blueprint. And so I, I hope that all of us, you know, every, we all kept a new Voxer group and we've all been staying in contact and stuff. And I hope that that stays. But at the very least, I think everyone through, you know, through our lending team and on, on the signature side, you know, if we could stay together and some and, and be there for each other, I think that would be huge.
0: Yeah, stay tuned. We're going to put some good stuff together. But cool. I want you to – also, know I'd love to take credit for Satema coming to town. Spencer, our, our president of, of Signature International, is the one that first went through immersion and, and introduced him. And Shelly's the one that had the foresight, Shelly Panzarella, yeah. your boss, yeah. you know, or your partner yeah. in business there. She had the foresight to bring him out. She set up that May thing. Yeah. And um, you know, just listening to your story, just her encouraging you to go – She's a leader, George, and, and I think oh. uh, any, le- any lender in this valley to work with her, it, it's pretty amazing. So I,
1: I would like to touch on that very quickly is you know, I've worked for a lot of people and I've had some great mentors in my life and I've, I've worked with attorneys. I've worked with you know, I've worked with a lot of people, you know. And there's a reason why I've still work with Shelly, right? Because from the very beginning, when she started recruiting me, it was so much more than just business, and that is not something that normal. That's a, no, a part of the normal recruiting pitch out here, and you know she's lived up to everything that she said she was going to do. You know, and that is a big deal for me. You know, um, so I I've learned a lot from Shelly, a lot, and I don't think that I would even be in this exact seat right if it wasn't for Shelly. So. I'm I'm aware of those. I don't
0: things. know if I'd be in this exact seat if it wasn't for Shelly. Shelly, you know, Shelley, she's quite the coach. Behind she the is. scenes, or right in front. She
1: is, you know, and, and she's got a way of of going about things where it's not in your face, and it's not forced upon you, but you know, she presents you with the answer and stuff like that. So I I think uh, I think we're all pretty lucky with having her.
0: Yeah, I agree. Lives. So last question: You still nervous about the podcast? Because <laughs> we're about to start it. Oh, psh, I'm just yeah, kidding. Right, no. I'm just kidding.
1: Um, no, it was, it was
0: actually pretty cool. I I appreciate your time. It was, it was great cool. getting to know you a little bit better. I yeah. love working with you. And let's raise a glass. Yep. You know. Cheers. To Coach Nate. <laughs> he coaches them. there you go. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to the signature life podcast if you enjoyed today's show please leave a review and subscribe don't forget
0: to also follow us on youtube and facebook